Hey, what's up, guys? We are back again. Episode 22 of the Corked Up Podcast. I am your host, Frank Neres. You can find me on Twitter at Frankie G Lyrical. I am joined, as always, as the man, the myth, the legend, uh, my co-host, Jack Savio. You can find him on Twitter at Jack underscore Savio5. You can also follow us as a podcast at Corked Up Podcast. Also, head over to our channels page at Two Cents Pods. Uh, also, subscribe to us really wherever you can hear podcasts. Also, if you want the visuals to go along with it, nothing spectacular. Obviously, we record over Skype, but we have that up on YouTube as well. Just punch in the Corked Up Podcast on YouTube. Jackie, how are you feeling today uh, after a very boring Bears win? <clears throat> Uh, today I feel a little bit better than I did the past couple days. Um, you know, a win's a win. You'd rather win a boring, disgusting, sloppy game than lose it. Um, especially the way, win the way that they did. Um, but Frank, let's, let's not kid ourselves. Let's start with the offense. Let's just get right into it because, uh, we both expected to see some turnaround, um, especially after the, the, the Broncos defense did not perform very well against the Raiders yep. um, on on Monday Night Football to begin the season. So uh, I was I was disappointed with what I saw, and I know you were as well. But let's kind of just break it down a little bit even more than that. Um, Frank, what was let, let's start here. What, what was the most disappointing thing for you? And even even in a win, we'll, we'll start with the negatives. We'll get to the positives and, and yeah. later on. And obviously. 95% of the negatives are with the offense. So for me, philosophically, I understand what what Nagy wanted to do with his game plan in this game. When you look at the stat that um, Bradley Chubb only had one hurry and Von Miller had zero hurries. So I get it. We want to get the ball out of Mitch's hands fast. We don't want him back there too long. I understand that from a philosophical standpoint. With that being said, if your game plan is to only have, you know, one to two seconds before the ball is out of Mitch's hands, you have to work the middle of the field at some point, man. Like, it has been non-existent these first two games. It's all been little out routes, little hitch routes, flat routes to tight ends and, and running backs. You can still be creative and even, I mean, go deep on two or three seconds in the pocket. And I said all that to say that's what I was most disappointed in. I still feel like this has been more on Matt Nagy than it's been on Mitchell Trubisky. I want to pause there to let everyone know that is not me saying Mitch Trubisky has been good. He has been bad as well. But when you have a quarterback who hasn't shown you that he's good yet, he hasn't actually showed us that he's bad or a bust or anything just yet either. But we need better game plans than this. We need something that's going to help him progress throughout his career, throughout this season, really throughout a game. And we just haven't seen that for the last three plus games that Matt Nagy and Mitchell Trubisky has been a part of. So my biggest disappointment was um, the, just the general game plan of Matt Nagy. And a close second is that offensive line, dude. Leno looked fucking terrible. So I... That, I'll start there. I want to throw it back to you. What were some disappointments that you saw? I, I'm going to stay kind of in the same lane as you with, with, with Mad Nagy. Uh, I, I can't put too much of it on Mitch. It, it's We've been saying it all all offseason. We've been saying it you know, since we started this podcast where it's like, we how much blame can you really put on Mitch 
when he the opportunities he gets, he has to convert every single one of them every single time. Like, right. yeah, he missed a couple <clears throat> deep ball throws, but you also have to look at it from the the perspective of when he's making those throws. There's no rhythm to the to the play when he just Nagy's just like, all right, we're going deep on this play. Like, there's just no rhythm to the offense. If 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 Mitch is a guy that you need to get into kind of a game rhythm before you start letting him, you know, rip it down the field. Start getting some of those short passes. Start letting him get some in your intermediate throws before he's just letting it loose to guys who are literally three foot two. Like I, I don't really <laughs> understand the the game plan, like you said. And I just it it brings me back to you would almost if, if this was Matt Nagy's first year, forget throw the year out before, you'd be like, why the why did they hire this guy? He's he's terrible at what he's yeah what he was. He doesn't understand the balance of an offense. He goes one week oh, we got to throw 50 times to then hearing all the critics say, how the hell weren't you running the ball? To be like, all right, we're going to run the ball 50 times. It's like, no, like find the balance in your offense, figure out what your team is, get Mitch into a rhythm. I I think he, it's pretty clear that Mitch is going to be one of those guys who just needs to get into the game speed. Um, But let, I'm going to, since you kind of covered all the naggy stuff, I, I guess my, my biggest concern overall um, is this point uh, is, is Mitch Trubisky. And I know I said, I don't want to put too much blame on him for the game plan. And I don't because, uh, he just, he can only do with, with what he's, what he can do. But that's kind of my point. He's supposed to be at this advanced stage in his career. At this point, it's supposed to be the level 200 offense, quote unquote, from Matt Nagy. This offense looks worse. And yeah. so that leads me to believe that Mitch just isn't picking up and isn't learning this offense fast enough to the point where Nagy feels comfortable calling the the plays he wants to call. So it's almost like they're limiting each other where it's like, Nagy's like, right, okay, right. I, I, can't, I have to take out this <clears throat> six pages of my playbook and we're going to run the most basic shit and we're going to win with runs and defense. Whereas like Mitch is, is also limiting Nagy because he's like, okay, you're asking me to do this, but I'm not ready to do it yet. So like they're kind of caught at a crossroads where Mitch really needs to get caught up quickly because this offense is going to be stuck in, in neutral where I think Nagy went into last season being like, okay, level 100 offense. He's going to be learning the basics as is everybody. Let's slow it down. Let's get some pretty basic play designs. And then maybe this year. And that's why it looked like it, it did last year where you're like, you can see the flashes. You're like, okay, if they can just add to it next year. It's going to be great. Whereas like this year he did add to it, but, but Mitch is just like, he's not there yet. He's, he's clearly not there. So I'm starting to wonder if maybe they go back to that more basic offense that they were using last year, um, as opposed to just running the ball a hundred times a game with David Montgomery. Um, so I, I'm just, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of, that's kind of it for me. I just, I, I want to know where Mitch is at in his development. And I just feel like I can't help, but feel like the bears aren't happy with where he's at. No, and, and I agree with that. And like I say, you know, I don't think I've ever said this on air. I, I'm not a, a Mitch Trubisky homer. I'm not an apologist. I'm calling things the way that I see them. And like I said, he hasn't been good. But the pro comparison that I get from him when he was coming out of college, even in his first year, he reminded me a lot of Russell Wilson. Can get out of the pocket, extend plays. Arm isn't the strongest, but but accurate. You know, strong enough to zip it in when he has to. I mean, we've seen that quite a few times. But he's not, you know, he didn't have like the Jay Cutler, just super Brett Favre strong arm. So, I, 
I guess we've seen what happened with Russell Wilson when they decided, hey, we're going to give you the keys of this offense and let's see what happens. And we saw that backfire. And then Pete Carroll say, you know what, let's scale it back and get back to what we're doing. He'll get there eventually and then we'll try it again. And now they're back to that trying it again phase and he's there, he's ready. And I said all that to say, I was never fully bought into Mitch Trubisky. I saw the physical raw ability, but the one thing that you knew was that without as much college experience as the other guys that were drafted in the same draft as him and from drafts prior, you knew he was going to take, you know, probably a little bit longer, especially than Deshaun Watson. You'd think Deshaun Watson, you know, he got drafted the third guy because his ceiling wasn't seen to be that high. He was going to be that dude who can be the 16, 17 best quarterback, not anything better than that. But, um, Nagy was supposed to be that guy that was going to be able to develop and really unlock things in Mitch's game a little bit faster than another coach could. He was supposed to be this offensive genius. He's supposed to be this guy. I mean, really the McVay to Jared Goff, you know, that was pretty much a direct comparison for the first year. And I just, I, I don't, I don't understand why Nagy can't do that. I, I I don't, I mean, we, our offense was last year in the first like nine or 10 games scoring 28 points a game with a one-on-one level offense. Why can't we go back to that and add minor things? Why does it have to go right from 101 to 200? You know what I mean? That's a question that I have. And the question, the reason why I have that question is because I was just sold on Nagy. I was much more sold on Nagy than I was Mitch. So when my criticism goes towards Nagy, it's because I feel like he was supposed to be the guy that was going to be able to work with whatever limitations Mitch has, plays to his strengths, and we win ball games and we look good doing it. Like I don't want to win games like that against Denver. That was fucking ugly football. And 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 like if you can sustain that type of win, sure, I, you put up with it. If you can win a Super Bowl that way, you can't sustain wins that way. It's not possible. You know what no, I mean? I- I think I think the only reason that they were able to win that game was simply because the Broncos' offense was as bad, if not worse, than the Bears' offense. To be honest with you, like the Broncos' defense didn't really do a whole lot of anything special against the Bears' offense. They just they just out they just the Bears' offense couldn't do anything. Like it was just there again. There, there's no rhythm. But but I go back to to that. I think it was that first drive where where Mitch has an opportunity to check it down in the flat to Mike Davis, who's running right. You, you're thinking, oh, okay, Mitch is going to run for the first. But instead he sees, oh, Tariq Cohen is is kind of breaking away from his guy, you know, about 30 yards down the field. I'm going to try and get it there. It's like, it's just this this, this decision-making that you, you want to see that's starting to get better. And I feel like for Mitch, we're just not seeing anything improved. There's at, at no point in these last two games, I'm like, man, that's where Mitch is better than he was last year. He looks worse. He looks like he's regressed. And and I'm worried that the offense that Nagy has talked about, the 200-level offense, is just too much for him, at this point at least. I, I agree with everything that you said earlier, where I think Mitch's biggest problem is that when you are drafted number two overall, you're expected at this day and age in the NFL to come in and immediately turn franchises around, where – you know, sometimes you're he 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 was the developmental quarterback. This is like if Ryan Tannehill was drafted number one overall instead of Andrew Luck, where it's like, and I'm not saying that would ever happen, but he's like a more developmental guy mm-hmm. where it's gonna maybe take him a few years to get to get to where he needs to be. 
the biggest harm that's being done to him is that people look around and see Deshaun Watson playing really well. They see Pat Mahomes putting up Mitch's numbers in one quarter that he puts up in the last two games. So it's like, that's where I understand why people are frustrated, but you're right. The whole thing with, with Trubisky was that everyone agreed that maybe he wasn't the best quarterback right then and there, but he could have the potential to be the best quarterback. I'm wondering if, if Matt Nagy was this offensive wizard, the guy who learned under Andy Reid and Doug Peterson and, you know, similar to, to Frank Reich as well. It's like this guy was unstoppable last year. Everybody bought in. Fans loved Matt mm-hmm. Nagy. He's the coach of the year. What has happened to that guy? It, it's like he, he doesn't it's like he almost has too many weapons to play with. You know what I mean? Like he's just trying to spread the ball too much where it's like. Then he just starts losing guys in the shuffle, and we don't see Anthony Miller touch the ball for an entire game. We don't see Taylor Gabriel even getting into the offense at all. We see maybe a throw, but it's like, dude, it's okay to get them four catches for 60 yards. It's just something to kind of change it up. So less Mike Davis, more offensive skill players, please. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because I have a few questions that I want to run down to you. As I was preparing for this episode, I wanted to keep my thoughts pretty fresh. Just as I had thoughts, I would jot them down in my notes section uh, on my phone. One of them was he eerily reminds me of Joe Madden. And I think I made that comparison before, but it just like it remains true with this game where it's like Joe Madden has two like maybe not this year, but years past had too many players. So he tried to keep plugging and everyone, the different types of at bats and, and it just became this whole thing that it shouldn't have become. And I feel like Nagy does the same exact thing. And, it, but that goes back to the over overwhelming point of just out execute people. Stop trying to outthink people. We have the talent now to just out execute. You don't have to be a gadget offense. So I am glad that you brought that up. I wanted to make one more point before I ask you the questions. Uh, so just how you said when Mitch isn't being allowed to, um, you know, throw deep in any sort of rhythm, it just kind of happens. It's like, oh, here's the time we're going to throw deep just to kind of keep them honest. And when you look at guys, if, if we're making the comparison, which I'm not, but I know everyone else is to Patrick Mahomes. If you actually watch his games, he misses a handful, if not a little bit more at deep throws. But Andy Reid knows that the more he does it, he's going to fucking connect. Like, he just has that that arm. They have the weapons to do so. And they just put their balls on the table and keep doing it. Like, I, he had, like, 20 throws of 20-plus yards in the air against Oakland. And granted, it's Oakland, but they do that. Maybe not that high of a number, but they do that consistently. And he's not hitting every single one of them. That's not me saying Mitch can connect at that level, but that's just saying if you're going to be aggressive, this is what it looks like. It doesn't look successful every single time like the the leader of connect percentage of um balls in the air for over 20 yards is usually like in the low to mid 40s in terms of percentage it's not that high like it, it just is what it is um but i wanted to ask you this so one this question may not be pushing the needle a little bit too much this is the optimistic view i think could it be let me preface first. So just like I said, we, we were scoring 29 points because I don't want to be I don't want to have a contradiction. We were scoring 29 points a game last year in the first uh, 10 games, like nine or 10 games of the season before Mitch got hurt. And then it kind of, you know, spattered out for them. But the offense didn't really get going until the Buccaneers game. That right. was week three or four. So it took up. I mean, we looked discombobulated. Granted, we looked better than this, but not too far off. 
So I ask that I, I say that to say, could we just be a slow starting team? Could it just be possible that every year it takes us a little bit, it takes Nagy a little bit to find that groove, it takes the pieces to get a little bit gelled, there's a new piece here, the offensive line needs to get back together because they don't have preseason reps. What, what would you put as like a percentage of that? Or, or, or do you even think that way? Like, could we just be, it takes us two or three weeks to get going. I, I, I could see that being the case. Uh, you just would hope that if even if you are a slow starting team, you score more than, you know, 19 points in two games when you're supposed to be this offensive juggernaut um, head coach skill player wise as well. Quarterback developing type situation. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's it's possible that they're a slow starting team. But then you go back to that argument. Well, you know, should they have been playing in the preseason? And I, I hate to say it, but like. Maybe maybe this is a team that just could use those reps. Um, you know, a, a lot of it is, oh, well, you know, look, look at what they look at how successful they were last year. Well, if you remember last year, the first couple weeks, they weren't that good, no. as you kind of brought up. Mm-hmm. You know, it took them till that that Tampa Bay game week four when they just went off. And, and Mitch obviously threw for six touchdowns, which was, you know, all well and good. And then after that, they have a bye week. They slow down again and kind of have to pick up their rhythm. Um, so. Maybe the offensive line plays. Maybe Mitch should be playing a little bit more. I, I don't think the skill position should be. I don't think, you know, right. Tariq Cohen needs to be playing. I don't think any of the defensive players need to be playing. But you have those extra repetitions for a reason. And, and you know, we, we've heard numerous times now that Mitch, Mitch Trubisky is a confidence guy. He needs that confidence to play mm-hmm. well. What better confidence can you get than having him play in a preseason game, you know, week, you know, against two three stringers you know like in a preseason like get him say let him believe he could make these throws and just start getting him into that rhythm I'm starting to believe a little bit more and more that this is just a rhythm offense and they just need to need to play a couple games and I I think they'll be okay but but we need to see a little bit more agreed I will before I ask you the other question um that's the one thing that scares me about Matt Nagy is that he uses that lingo as if he's still a quarterback. I can't have my play caller needing to be in a rhythm to call a good game. That makes, to me, I don't understand how that makes sense to anyone. When he talks about like, yeah, I just hit these rhythms. Dude, you're a play caller. You no, should have he, a game plan and know how to adjust. He needs to be looking at matchups, not not just calling. And see, that's, that's what that's I'm what I mean. About, you know, I, I think he gets locked into certain plays where he's like, this will work. But then he's not reading the defenses that are getting set up. He, he's not reading the personnel where he's like, OK, they're doing this. So we need to counter with this. He needs to be a little more reactive, I, I think. Maybe not 100 percent of the time. Go in with a game plan. Like, yeah, what we learned last year, they, they went into every single game with 15 scripted plays. The first 15 plays, they knew exactly what they were doing. And I think at this point, maybe Mitch is or maybe Nagy's just like, all right, we're not doing that anymore. We're going to we're going to play this like a real offense. Maybe Mitch just needs those 15 plays or something. And I'm fine with that. And, and and the other thing that we saw last year, too, though, and I'll say this, and then I'll ask you the second question with another preface, I think. Um, we saw last year the second half, and particularly the fourth quarter, the offense looked awesome. Like, he made the adjustments. He started going more vertical, and Mitch started to play with confidence. So, like, I I don't know what it is this year. I, I really don't. Hopefully, hopefully – the first question I just asked is that's just what it is. It's going to take a little bit of time every year. Hopefully they don't fucking give us the Packers in week one every year if that's the case. But um, so question number two, I know a lot of people, including myself and you, has said that this is giving us 
flashbacks to Mark Trestman's second year. Because people people act like Trestman didn't have any success. His first year, that offense was lighting things up. I mean, they were averaging the like 32 was t- points. It was, it, was it, was de- Mel T- it was Mel Tucker. It was Mel Tucker games. and his defense that was awful. But Trestman had Jay looking good. He had Alshon Jeffrey looking good. He had Brandon Marshall looking good. Martellus Bennett looking good. Obviously, Matt Forte was a fucking top five fantasy pick. Like, you had these guys putting up numbers. And in the second year, the league figured it out and he didn't know what to do after that. We looked awful. We looked really, really bad. And I think on the opposite end of the spectrum, if we're not a slow starting team like we were a year ago, has Nagy just been figured out? Like, is is the gadget shit, is, is it done? Do do they understand when he lines up in certain formations, these are the, the routes that he's going to run? Like, could the league just have figured him out and he has not adjusted yet? I think that question is hard to answer because simply due to the fact that we don't even know what Matt Nagy is as a play caller. Like right. we haven't really figured him out. We've watched him for, you know, 19 games now. We, we still don't know what he really does, you know, like to do what he doesn't like to do. Um, he, he's kind of just kind of all over the place, especially in that first year. And I mean, you can say that maybe he's been figured out, but I mean, he's running the same offense that, that essentially that Doug Peterson and Andy Reid are running, and they, they haven't been figured out in 17 goddamn years. Like, Andy Reid is – good luck figuring out what he's going to do when. <laughs> um, I think it's just Nagy – I think he's just starting to, to kind of get into this thing where he's he's starting to outthink himself. He's like, man, if we could just get this bubble screen to work. Like, dude, no. Stop with the bubble screens. Go vertical. You need to yep. go up the field to win football games. Like, it's yep. – it's as simple as that. And like, I get, you want to get the short connections to kind of like, no, no, run some crosses. Did we, have we seen any cross? Routes? Seen, that's, that's any, I, have we seen, I mean, Trubisky out of the, out of the under center, like at all, it's always in the pistol formation. It's like, I get, maybe he's not comfortable under center. That's fine. But, but dude, you got to try and run some play action out of that. You got to, you know, yeah. And, and first of all, before you, you make your point, I need to throw this in there very quickly. The answer to the Bears' problems on offense is not to bring in a fullback. Okay? <laughs> Enough. Enough. Oh, Stop. shit. You know who you are. Jesus. Stop. That's, that's awful. No, and that's – yeah. And, 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 you know, I was just going to add on to your points. We haven't seen – not only we haven't seen crossing routes, we haven't seen slant routes. We haven't seen Mitch, to, to my remembrance, him have a play drawn up where he's rolling out. Like, that's when he's at his best. We also haven't seen him give up the ball. I mean, keep the ball on what looks like an RPO. I don't think he's really drawing up RPOs. I think he's having Mitch make them look like that. There was two plays on that goal line when we fucking ran the ball 17 straight times because we kept getting penalties to bail us out before Montgomery finally scored, where all he had to do was pull that back in and run. Mitch was like staring Von Miller in that, like he could smell what he ate that morning and was like, hey, I'm just going to hand this off. Easy touchdown, but coach says no. And it's just like, dude, like what? And I I could be wrong. Mitch maybe just didn't read it right. I just have a hard time believing even a very, very below average quarterback doesn't pull that in when they see everyone fucking collapse on on Montgomery. there's, There's that one play that just works every time for every other team that runs it, where it's like the tight end just kind of hangs back a little bit and then just runs a little to the left and they're wide open in the end zone. Like that's the creative, like 
Yeah. Matt Nagy is using fucking Akeem Hicks last year to score touchdowns. This year he's Nick running Mikowski. the ball 17 straight times with right up the middle, like, and he's get and they're getting stuffed, and he's like, yeah. okay, well, this is just what we're like. Where's the creativeness? I, I just this is what we're this is what I'm talking and, about. Something's missing from last year that I'm just I don't understand what's going on with this play calling. And this is two straight weeks. Granted, the Broncos defense played a really good game last week. That the Chris Harris looked like Chris Harris of old. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was sticking on Allen Robinson, and Bradley Chubb is going to be one hell of a player. But man, the yeah. fact that Von Miller's name wasn't called a single time that game. Did he do any, like, he may have had a couple tackles on some running backs, but, like, I, I mean, I, I, they did a great job on that. And maybe that's part of the game plan, which is something that I think we need to remember, Frank. Going into Denver in the first week of the season, or for their first home game, it's like a 98% win chance for the Broncos. They always win those games. So the fact that they did escape, I, I it, it's good. But it's just not the way that I wanted them to win, which I know sounds a little silly. But I think last year, if you're if you're saying, oh, well, I'm, I, I don't care. They can take wins as you can get them. No, 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 not this year. Nope. They're supposed to be a Super Bowl contending team. And Super Bowl contenders don't go into Denver against a terrible offense and, and, and look like that. I mean, Tom Brady's torching the, that defense for, for all it's worth. Uh, Rod, even we'll, I mean, we'll see what happens next week with the Broncos going to, to Green Bay. Um, we'll get into that in terms of our game picks, but I don't know, man. I, it's just not how Super Bowl contenders are supposed to win those types of games. I agree. I made a, I made a very well thought out Facebook post after the game that basically just said what you said. Like th- these were the wins we needed last year when this offense was gelling. Wins weren't supposed to. I mean. Against a really good team, sure. If we beat the Rams this way, that's just a hard-fought, grinding victory. I don't look at the Broncos like that. As much as I enjoy them and like some of their skill players, fantasy-wise, and I think Flacco, you know, um, is, is, has gotten a little bit underrated over the years, I still don't think of them as like this fucking world beater that this is the way we have to beat them. Especially but, since Derek Carr just torched them the week before. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, but to, to your... Uh, other point before we can move on to the defense and touch on them for a little bit. Um, that was one of my points. Really, my last point that I made as I was writing my notes is that winning in Denver isn't easy. I mean, they literally have signs all over their stadium for fans and players, like telling you about the altitude and how, you know, even though you're in shape, doesn't mean you're really in shape here. Like it's so the defense, when it tailed off at the end, I mean, you can only blame that on the offense. You know what I mean? So all in all, you'll take the win. I kind of feel the same exact way as my Packers buddies felt after they beat us week one. They were just like, yeah, like, I'm not going to brag about this win. It was fucking ugly football. Like, I'll take a win. It's a division win, but uh, I'm, it's nothing to write home about. And that's exactly how I feel about this. Probably even worse uh, because going into the game against Green Bay, you know, everyone looked at the Bears as a good team. I don't know if people are still looking at us in that manner anymore. I mean, we have to prove them, you know, wrong again. Um, for this year. So, I mean, just touching on the defense, I mean, they look, this is the same defense. Um, that that said, I wasn't the biggest fan of, of Pagano playing what seemed like um, very loose defense, almost contained defense at, at, at times. And I, I just wanted to see a little bit more aggression from him. But once the context started to fall in place, and once I really started to think maybe he didn't want to do that because he didn't want them to tire too soon. I, like, I started to think about it more, uh, even throughout this episode, it kind of dinged back in my head. And I was like, that would make sense. If you're aggressive in the first half of this game, I think 
you start getting blown out in that second half because the off our offense wasn't doing anything and they started to really move the ball late in the third yeah. quarter. Yeah, the, the <laughs> you know pacing, what I mean. The, the pacing was what well, pacing is important in Denver, especially if you're the road team because you're just not used to it because right. there's just literally no air where you're playing. So um, that that's an interesting thought, kind of just maybe not pressing as much for the corners. But the only problem is that if you do that all game by the fourth quarter, you're still going to be tired. So it's like it almost would have been better maybe to be more aggressive early on, maybe create some turnovers because it was like they right. were just like, Ben, don't break. That was kind of their, their mantra yep. for this game where it's like, I mean, for let's talk about two individual players, though, that I just look like they're, they're they've lived up to the billing of, of super of, you know, rising stars. Uh, Eddie Jackson was just having himself a day. Last year, I was, you know, kind of on him a little bit just in texting you um, before we had our podcast was I was just like, Eddie is more of the ball hawking safety, but he's not really going to hit you very hard. Um, he's been hit. He's, he's, <laughs> he's doing some hitting on uh, in Denver. And I, it was it was really nice to see. He just kind of squared some guys up and he jarred the ball loose a couple times as well. So um, I'm very excited to see what he continues to do in this season. But also a guy that was really overlooked and, and you know, because of the stupid sack number, people didn't realize that he was having a pretty good, you know, season. Leonard Floyd, he looks like he's going to have a monster year. Yeah, he does. And something important to remember is he had that club on for the first four games or so uh, to start the season. So he's healthy this year. And, and, I mean, he's making the plays. He's still he's still good at coverage when he needs to be. But I – He looks good. Uh, it, I, I, some of their calls in that game, I mean, I don't know what he's supposed to do on that on that tackle for loss where he picks him up and ta- – like, The Goldman – the Goldman one, too. Eh, I mean, you know, it kind of sw- – luckily, the Bears kind of had that swing back towards their way in that in that final That was drive. a bad call, too. It, yeah, it was. It was just uh, – if that's what football is going to be from now on, I mean, I don't understand why people are still watching, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, it's – yeah. I just don't understand. I, I get you protect the quarterback a little bit more. They're in a compromised position as they're back there. They're not seeing where they're getting hit from most of the time. They're in a throwing motion, so the ribs are exposed. I get it. Let's not make a mistake here. But the rule that you can't land your body on someone, there are certain times where I see people do it intentionally, but other times, like, you're just making a play. Like, I, I, they've shown, like, Anthony Barr has done that a few times, like, land on people intentionally. You can tell when it's on purpose. Maybe not in real time. I think if that's going to continue to be a rule, that needs to be something that is reviewable as well, if that's the call. If it's the roughing the passer because they put their body weight on them. Because, mo- like, I... 98% of the calls that I've seen have been really fucking bad calls uh, on with that specific um, even, roughing the even, passer. Even with body weight, who, I mean, honestly, like, what are you supposed to do? Like, I get, like, the late hit stuff and, like, driving people in, like, okay, maybe. but Well, that's what I mean, Leonard, the driving. The driving when, is kind of considered the same thing. When Leonard Floyd has a guy, has a running back wrapped up in his arms, was he just supposed to stand there? Hold like, him. just... Yeah, just just hug them until the the refs blow the whistle. Like, no, this isn't this isn't touch football. Like, <laughs> I don't. I just that play did not make, and it wasn't a quarterback, which made even less sense to me. I, I just did not understand that call at all. But I mean, luckily the Broncos' offensive line, that uh, Garrett Bowles, just decided, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold Dude, on. Every he single. was he made Charles Leno look like a fucking beast. 
I mean, him just him just doing the, the head shake after every time and Mark Schlereth just being like, dude, stop shaking your head. It's a whole Dude, did you see did you see Charles Leno get fucking lit up by their safety? Yeah. That was bad. Uh, Frank, I'm gonna be honest, that entire broadcast was really bad. Dick Stockton did not seem to know where he was. He's talking about <laughs> him being with Mark Schlereth, but then he's like uh, he's like, I'm Dick Stockton and I'm with Dick Nope, Mark Schlereth. I'm with I'm with Mark Schlereth. Called, I think he called the Bears the Green Bay Pack. He called them the Chicago Green Bay Packers at one point. It was just a rough game. I, I ignore a lot of the broadcast. It was it was unwatchable. Let's just say that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Jackie, I think I've, I've made all my points. Uh, Bears, do we want to take a break here? Or do you have anything else before we Frankie, go let's, on to the second Let's half? get the break. Let's, uh, let's go over some week three picks, um, and uh, we'll discuss maybe some NFL week two as well, um, some of the games, some of the interesting things that happened. Uh, we have two really good quarterbacks that went down. See how that changes the landscape of football. Um, we'll get into it on the other side of a break here on the Corked Up podcast with Jack Savio and Frank Neris on Two Cents Pods. We will be right back. And welcome back into the Corked Up Podcast here on Two Cents Pods. Uh, I'm Jack Savio. He is Frank Neris. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Jack underscore Savio 5, at Frankie G Lyrical, at Two Cents Pods, and of course at Corked Up Podcast. Uh, Frankie, we uh, are coming back from this break. We're going to talk a little bit of uh, some some week two NFL things. Um, I went nine and seven in picks, so a positive week, back to back weeks, positivity, Frank. Um, some surprises here and there, not too many. Um, we'll kind of go through the the games, kind of talk a little bit about you know what happened in each, um, and then we'll give our week three NFL game picks um, for this upcoming NFL week. Uh, so let's get to it. Thursday night football, Bucks at Carolina. Uh, I had the Panthers winning that game. I thought there was no way the Panthers were going to lose uh, two games straight at home, especially against a Bucks team that got absolutely whooped on by the 49ers. Um, Frank, Buccaneers didn't look good, but the Panthers just somehow looked worse. What were your thoughts on that game? Yeah, I think it was just one of those things. Christian McCaffrey didn't have a great game. It was just a short, a shorter week. That's who you're going to rely on to win these games. Cam isn't healthy. He hasn't been healthy for 15 years. So w- without your biggest weapon that really, I mean, he is in like 97% of their snaps for the last couple of seasons. Like if he's not fully, um, what is the right word? Not rested or healthy, but He's not fully recovered is the right word from this past Sunday. You're, you're not going to do anything to anyone. And I think that's really what, what came and got them. Because just like you said, the Bucks did not look good. Plus Chris Godwin has turned into a legitimate NFL player. He's man. He looks he's, good. He's, he's fun to watch. Um, and then we had uh, the Indy at Tennessee game. Um, you know, a lot, a ton of people, I'm sure probably a good, maybe 80% had the Titans winning this one just based off how they looked against Cleveland in week one and how the fact that the Colts, um, you know, lost in, in Los Angeles to the Chargers the week before. They don't have Andrew Luck, blah, 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 blah. Frank, who took the Colts? Who took You did. Me you did. did. I took I, the Titans. And that's and that's not Colts fandom, all right? That's just knowing that the Colts own the Titans every single year. Every single fucking year, the Colts beat the shit out of the Titans. They make Marcus Mariota look like the punk piece of shit that he is. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I don't hate him that much. He's just a bum. He's just a fucking bum. Um <laughs> Adam Vinatieri is like I, I 
Good luck winning a playoff game with him. Let's just say that. Um, yeah. I was kind of hoping. Yeah, Paris Campbell, play. first NFL touchdown. Yeah. Par- oh, he's many more to come. Let's just say that. Yeah. Um, heading over to uh, a team that has really surprised me, uh, San Francisco at Cincinnati. Um, I took Cincinnati based off the fact that they looked pretty good against the Seahawks team. Um, I don't remember who San I picked. Francisco just just beat up on uh, on the Bucks, and who really knows? Jimmy G didn't look really good in that game. Jimmy G looked pretty good in this game. Let's just say that. Um, yeah. You know, San Francisco offense got rolling, and they they you know put him away pretty quick. Yeah, Debo Samuel looked pretty good. That running game, Matt Breida. Um, who's the kid that got all of those goal line looks? I think he had two touchdowns. Yeah. I'm blanking on his name. Um, but they look really, really good. That run game, uh, uh, Mostert or Morstad. Yeah, he looked good. Dude, they have a three headed monster. Monster Let's just call over there. Mozart. Mozart. He looked great. Um, I'm curious the, the developing story with the Niners. I love the talent they have at wide receiver. I'm just curious to see who's getting the looks like this week. It was Debo Samuel for whatever reason. I think fucking Dante Pettis fucked Kyle Shanahan's wife or something. He is getting like, this dude is so talented and he just refuses to play him now. Um, but yeah, they have good talent. Obviously George Kittle's still there. So I'm curious to see by the end of the year, who like really shakes out as their wide receiver one. And uh, kind of moving on to the next game here, we got Buffalo at New York Giants. Um, I had Buffalo winning, no real surprises there. Um, I guess the biggest development is that Eli Manning has officially been benched and will be replaced by Daniel Jones moving forward. Um, you know, uh, Frank, doesn't it just make sense right now for the for the Jaguars to trade for Eli Manning and just see what they can get from him? I, I'm sure it wouldn't cost a whole lot. I, to be honest with you, I no, I don't think they should. That Minshew kid, I roll the dice with him. He he Ooh. he's you fun. Like the must- I mean, I, I do. And at the very, I mean, he's athletic. At the very least, he's gonna be entertaining. Like he's not clearly not scared of the moment. He played well at the end of the game last week. Like let him does, go out there, see what you got in him. Does does Eli move at all? Do you see any team taking a chance on him? Uh I can't. I can't see it. No, I don't see it. I think. If Drew Brees was out for the whole year, I think Sean Payton considers it. But since he'll be back in like six weeks, I don't think he does it. Bears. Um, moving Jesus on. Arizona at Lord. Baltimore. No, wait. I want to say this one thing, and I want your oh. opinion before we move on. Josh Allen is looking like where Mitch Trubisky should be right now in this second year of that offense. What are your thoughts? I don't want to hear that Josh Allen looks better than Mitch Trubisky. That just hurts me too much inside. Um, the the running ability, it, it's it's absolutely there, but he's still got a, Josh Allen still has a pretty long way to go in terms of throwing the football. Um, not great, but his running ability just kind of makes up for that. So I'm curious to see how long that that'll last. Um, you know, in, in this next game, Arizona at Baltimore had a ton of fun things to watch. Kyler Murray. Um, got a chance to watch a little bit of him, see what he could do. He looked pretty, he looked much better in his second game uh, for maybe the the first half, second half, not so much. Um, but we did want to see what Lamar Jackson would do in week two. Um, he still <laughs> looks fucking good. <laughs> it's just I, that, that, that connection with him and, and, you know, Marquise Brown. I mean, that's, that's going to be something special, but yeah. Obviously, the news about Marquise Brown possibly being, um, you know, in, involved in that sexual harassment thing with uh, Antonio Brown. I saw that. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. But uh, he's too short football. to sexually harass anyone. Strictly football, though. Yeah. Hollywood Brown just kind of he looks. What did you say? Can we edit that part out? What did you say? I said he's I too sh- uh, yeah, I said he's too short to sexually harass someone. It was just a joke. 
Jesus Christ. <laughs> Moving on, Frankie. No, wait, I do want to say this about I, I want to say this about the Ravens. You know who I'm really anxious to see because he's getting more and more snaps. Miles Boykin is going to have a big role at some point this year, and I think him and Hollywood are going to be a really good uh, receiving core duo. But we can move on. Sounds, oh, the the tight ends for Baltimore. Dude, Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews, fun. Hayden Jesus. Hurst, really, really good. Um, Los Angeles Chargers at Detroit. I, I picked the Chargers winning this game. Um, <laughs> they found every single way to beat themselves in this one. Yep. I mean, how many chances did they have at the goal line where the, the – Oh, man. The Lions really get that win? Like, come on. Come on. The Lions are going to be bad, Frank. Let's just say that. Uh, What were your thoughts on this game? I mean, it was a boring game. It was a game that if the score was blacked out, you would have thought the Chargers were handily ahead. Like, they were moving the ball more. Their defense looked better. But just like I said before the season, I like 1 through 53. I like Detroit overall. They're missing that star power. They're missing, I think, a quarterback, obviously, to get them above that edge. But they're going to be in a lot of games like this this year and win more games than they should because what, when you're that close in the fourth quarter, all it takes is one bad throw or just you know a fucking coin flip and you win the game. And and when you're in those types of games, you're going to win some of those games. And you know this is just one of twelve wins for the Lions, and they're winning the division. He's calling it right now. All right. <laughs> we'll go back to in the, the last couple episodes and see if you picked the Lions to win. Cause I don't, I don't think you did Frank no, uh, I didn't. Jacksonville at Houston. Uh, Houston won this one pretty handily. No real surprises other than the fact that Jalen Ramsey decided after the game to uh, call it quits on this team and uh, ask for a trade. Um, you know, Frank, do you think he gets moved? Uh, I mean, obviously we saw Minka Fitzpatrick get, get moved. Uh, to Pittsburgh, um, I was going to save that, but now's a good time to talk about it. Yeah. That, uh, he got moved for a first-round pick, so you think it's at least that for Jalen Ramsey, right? Yeah, and Jalen will be moved. He's, he, he's going to be gone before the trade deadline. Um, I will say this, with the CBA looming, there's going to be a hard negotiation about revolving around players forcing their way out um, from their teams. And I don't think they're going to say you can't do it, because if you're not happy somewhere, you're going to ask for a trade there's going to be very strict boundaries as to what you can put out to the press to get your way out. I think yeah. Antonio Brown, um, even though Minka didn't do it, it did get public beforehand. And then now this is public uh, with, with Jalen Ramsey. So I, that's going to, there's something, something's to give there. But um, outside of that, you know, uh, Minshew looked good again, this game. I mean, he, he, he's one of those guys that maybe he's not going to be a superstar, but that this game just showed me why, if I'm them, I just keep rolling them out there. The season's pretty much lost anyway. Like, you guys are done. Like That's so sad. <laughs> it, no, it, so. It, it is, but, you know, with the offensive weapons that, that they have, and this is something that I was saying in the offseason, and you laughed at me rightfully so, but I truly did, and I still do like the receivers. DJ Chark can play. D.D. Westbrook can play. And they have one more um, – that I like over there and I'm blanking on who it is, but they, uh, they have good pieces. Keelan Cole is another guy, but he's not who I was thinking of, but it's like, all they really need is on the offensive side is a quarterback. So if Minshew is that guy, give him the whole year to prove it. You know what I mean? They wasted a number four overall pick on fucking, uh, on, on Leonard Fournette. who's just proving to be a disaster of a pick. Um, and it's just so typical. Of the, see, this is why franchises like this just suck forever because they get star players. They finally get superstar players and then they, they force them to want to leave. It's like, how do you let this happen consistently time and time again? It's, it, it's absurd. 
Um, Deshaun Watson looked good, but I, I still saw too many just throws where he just chucks it up to DeAndre Hopkins. And yeah, and like, Hop oh. just didn't catch yeah. him. Like, that's just going to happen sometimes. Uh, then we had New England at Miami. New England won up by a lot. Antonio Brown caught a touchdown. I think that pretty yeah. much sets up that game, right? I do, yeah, I do want to say this because you're talking about two similar franchises in Miami and um, and Jacksonville. Is it time that both of these teams get sold? I mean, it has to be an ownership thing, right? Like, no, no one wants to play there. Who doesn't? There's strippers and cocaine in Miami. Jimmy <laughs> Butler gave up money to go there to play with the Heat, and they're going to fucking suck. Like, yeah. who doesn't want to play in my – like, you have to be a poor ownership group if no one wants to play for you in fucking Miami. Yeah. That's insane. Especially in in a sport where half the other games you're playing in 30-degree weather every single week. Jesus. Like, no, it's it's ridiculous. Um, They suck. Let's just say Miami is terrible. You know, I, I think we can agree with that. Um, Seattle at Pittsburgh – um, the biggest news from that is obviously without, you know, Pittsburgh losing, uh, now being 0-2, um, their season is pretty much over. Brent, Frank's MVP pick, Ben Roethlisberger, out for the season with elbow surgery. Uh, Frank, he's still feeling confident with that MVP pick? It hurts his chances a tad bit. I'm sticking <laughs> with it, though. Uh, no, I will say this. Um, it was still a good game. Mason Rudolph can play. There were some people who were very high on him uh, going into the draft. Uh, where where he got picked? He, he was a fourth round pick, third round pick. So. He was a later round pick. Yeah. He was a third or fourth rounder, but he he was constantly compared to the Red Rocket himself, Andy Dalton, who's showing you that he can still play. Like he's gone underrated here the last few years with the injuries. And I think if you can get that type of quarterback play for this year to hold them down, maybe even for years to come, uh, they're they're still gonna win some games this year. I think this kicks them out of the playoff talk, but I think people are gonna be surprised at how good Mason Rudolph actually is. Okay, uh, then we had another division game earlier in the season. I, I still think Green Bay, as much as I hate them, they kind of got boned with the schedule in terms of two straight division playoff games. And they pulled them out, though. Playoffs, but, yeah, um, Minnesota at Green Bay. Um, I took Minnesota. I thought this was finally the time for, for Kirk Cousins to, to break out of his horrible, terrible shell against good teams. That did not happen. He still sucks ass against good fucking teams. <laughs> And it's going to continue, and I feel bad. No, I don't. I, I hate Vikings fans. They're a bunch of fucking pricks. Um, but what what do you do as a Vikings fan, like, or as a team? Like, it's just you. The whole thing was, oh well, we didn't make the Super Bowl because we had Case Keenum. Let's get the court. Let's get the best free agent quarterback available, and then we're a Super Bowl. You know, waiting to happen. Um, Kirk Cousins just is not that guy. He's just not the guy who's going to win you the big games. Um, you know, Dalvin Cook, I thought if he had a big game, they would win. He kind of sparked that offense. Uh, the Vikings settled into that game. I mean, the Packers scored 21 quick points and then didn't score for the rest of the game. Uh, the Vikings offense just didn't show up to play. Yeah, and Green Bay's offense still looks out of sync. The only worrisome thing for me is that your quarterback and your head coach who calls the plays are, are in a verbal spat. I mean, it, it could mean absolutely nothing, and it also could mean everything. You never really know. You're in the heat of the moment. It's a passionate game. So shit like that happens. So I'm not jumping to any conclusions. But just like I told my Packers friends, like, these are the games that you guys needed to win against the Bears and the Vikings. Just the style of win that it was while your offense is gelling. This is what the Bears looked like last year in that new offense. So yeah. as, as long as they can keep their head above water um, until they actually gel and, and learn this offense— um, then we're going to see if it's actually a good offense because at this point it didn't look that great. But 
you know, these are the type of wins you need. So good on them. They got dealt a pretty shitty hand with two division games back to back week one and two, but they fucking pulled them off. And then uh, Kansas City at Oakland. Uh, no question here. KC was going to win that one. <laughs> that second quarter that that Pat Mahomes had was just unbelievable. Uh, the, yeah. the guy just what can't he do at this point? Like I, I, it's hard. It gets more and more frustrating The Like I'm, I keep being like, okay, well it didn't happen. The bears have Mitch, let it go. It, it's getting harder and harder to say that. <laughs> Let's just say that. Um, you know, do you even want to mention anything or are you? I, I, I don't, but the, the, I'm specific about the game. But the one thing I will say is that um, Andy Reed wanted Mitch. He was going to move up to get Mitch if he was still there. And the Bears got him, so we had to go to his contingency plan. So, like, that makes me still lean towards coaching as well. I feel like, I don't know if Mitch would be doing Mahomes things. He would be looking a lot fucking better in an Andy Reid offense. I can tell you that. Agreed. Uh, New Orleans at L.A. Rams. I had New Orleans winning that game, um, you know, sort of a revenge game. Uh, they they did get shafted with a touchdown. Uh, yeah, again. Jesus. And if I'm a Saints fan, I'm just like, why? Why does the NFL hate us so much? Um, because <laughs> you're a bunch of bunch. It's because you're a bunch of babies. You know, it's, it's, it's as simple as that. Um, Drew Brees going to be out for a while, probably like around six weeks with that thumb injury. Um, it doesn't sound like. Uh, Sean Payton is fully on board with the idea of Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, sounds like Taysom Hill making some looks at quarterback. Yeah, they're they're gonna. I think they're legitimately gonna run a two quarterback offense here. Brian, can I ask you something? Is it just me or have the Rams really not looked that good this year? They haven't. No, they haven't. But you know what it is? I think it's because you know my theory was the last couple of years I didn't ever think Goff was that good of a quarterback. I think they leaned. Our, 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 his success was heavily tied to Sean McVay. And eventually that discrepancy catches up. Like you can't just always scheme forever, uh, you know, past someone's limitations. And I don't think it's not even just him though. It's, I mean, it's, it's the defense. They, they do not look anywhere near as good as they did last year. Aaron Donald, you know, leaving the game. I think that's pretty big news. Um, I just, I don't know. I, if I'm a Rams fan, I'm, I'm happy that they're two and zero, but I'm not. I'm love with them at this point. I think. I think if, if the happiest people probably have to be the Seahawks fans, right? Because I mean, yeah. Outside of the the four, the 49ers will drop off. I'm not. I'm not buying into that team quite yet. Um, but if I'm a Seahawks fan, I'm like hell yeah. Like this, we could find. You know, we could catch up pretty easily. I agree. I also just think, I mean, Todd Gurley means a lot more to that offense than people were giving him credit for whatever okay. fucking reason. But it was ridiculous. Know. Oh, well, you know, we got uh, who, who was the fat running back that they brought C. in? C.J. Anderson. Yeah, C.J. Anderson from the Broncos. And they're like, oh, see, it's not it's not Todd. Gur- Stop. Come on. Come Stop. On. Stop. It's uh, they're quicker to give up on players than Bears fans. But I just think that's because there are no Rams fans. Uh, very different. That's true. Um, then, of course, we had the Chicago at Denver. I took, you know, I think we both took Chicago, right? Blah. Yeah, did we you take did. Chicago. Yeah. I don't remember. Are you taking Chicago I'm... every week? I think I am. <laughs> <laughs> Good. That's how it should be, Frank. True fan. Um, Philadelphia at Atlanta. I took Philly in a very, very fun game on on Sunday night. Very sloppy, very turnover rich. Uh, it still ended up being a ton of fun. Um, the way Julio scored to ice the game at the end was just absolutely incredible. Fucking uh, insane. I guess it didn't really ice it considering the Eagles had a fucking chance. To <laughs> like win. four minutes left on the yeah. clock. <laughs> I still, Frank, can, I just, can I be honest with you? I just yeah. like being able to say the word ice. 
That's just cool, you know. Do you like do you like Matty Ice? No, I hate him. He's he's a scrub. Imagine having to have that. Listen, he blew twenty-eight to three lead against the Patriots in the Super Bowl, and you think I'm not gonna hate him? He had a chance to beat the Patriots. And he didn't do it. He's a bum. He sucks. Carson Wentz, though. You haven't yeah. realized for like four straight weeks, I asked you something. <laughs> I asked you something about the Falcons. <laughs> you just blow up just like this. <laughs> it's going to. You think Devontae Freeman could have a comeback season? No. Fuck him. <laughs> Look at here, Frank. <laughs> Devontae Freeman blew a 28-3 to lead. It's the greatest. He did. He did. They all did. I hate the Falcons. I'll hate them forever. Fuck them. Um, <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool getting to see Josh McCown throw to Alshon Jeffrey again. You know, I thought I that loved was it. pretty good. I, lo- uh, I, w- I will say this, though. The way that Doug Peterson is coaching Carson Wentz, could you imagine how conservative Nagy would be if Mitch looked oh, that bad in the first God. half? Yeah. Or but, if they I mean, just- Wentz was, like, legitimately just missing throws. Throwing yeah. picks, but that's what a coach does. They coach you through this. They continue to game plan, and they have faith in you. Carson Wentz is just one of those guys that you feel like you're just going to win every game. Like you, you at least have a chance to win every yeah. game with him. Um, and I, I just, I still just really like him. I don't know if he's going to win Comeback Player of the Year. Um, to be honest with you, I don't really see any really strong candidates at this point to to maybe to win it. I don't know if maybe you have seen somebody kind of kind of come back and and because I mean Le'Veon Bell really hasn't looked that good I think he was your pick right he was my pick I mean he it's only it's only two weeks in it's two weeks it is it is slow down but um you know speaking of Le'Veon Bell Monday night game Cleveland at New York Jets I originally took uh the Jets but that was before I realized that that Sam Darnold um and I actually wrote it down and I texted you before the game so we have proof uh, I, I changed my pick to Cleveland, and Cleveland took care of business as, the, as well as they, sh- they should. Um, Odell Beckham had a good game. Um, I'm still waiting to see things click with, with Baker a little bit more. So Yeah, nasty Sam just wasn't at the game. Dude, he just keeps making out with people. It's fucking you know? disgusting. As a redhead myself, I can understand his problems. Before, before marriage, what kind of Christ-like man is he? <laughs> <laughs> well, he fits right in with the Jets with Namath just doing blow before each game. Yeah, but uh, he came, he sat on the sideline with a fucking mean cone. He earned that coke. <laughs> <laughs> he had that mink on looking fucking fresh with the shades. Here's the thing. That game brings me to my question. What is wrong with schedule makers? I... Who thought at any point that the Browns and the Jets was going to be a good game in prime time? Well, and then you have Thursday night football week three with the Jaguars and the goddamn Titans. See, the thing is, is that Sunday night football, I don't know what it is, but they always seem to luck out with the games that they're given. Like, dude, you don't know what teams are going to look like from a year to year basis. But Sunday night football is traditionally is usually always pretty great. Um but Monday night football the last couple of years has just it's been, been bad. Rough. Thursday night too. Yes, thir- Thursday night too. Um, so, so. Yeah, I, I don't know what's with the schedule makers. I and we we talked about this. Um, you know, we talked about this uh, last week. Um, we don't like. I I hate that division games are so early. There's just the meaning behind them just isn't as valuable in my opinion when you're doing it week one and week two. You I can't. Agree, I agree. You can't generate storylines in my like. You can't f- manufacture storylines. You, you everything needs to be organic when it comes to this stuff. And and being like, 
oh, well, you know, the Bears and Packers, when both teams, you have no idea what they're going to be, but this game means matters so much, so fucking much. It's like, it's not as fun as it could be if it happened in week 12, you know, where both these teams kind of know what they are. They're playing for something. It's just, I, I don't like it. Um, speaking of which, uh, let's jump right into our week three picks. Um, yep, yep. So, Frank, we'll kind of go back and forth. I'll give mine, you'll give yours, and we'll kind of go that way. Um, Tennessee at Jacksonville, uh, another division game. I, and can I just say this, too? Division games on Thursday night, that is some bullshit. It's that is awful. just awful. It's it's terrible for those two teams. I, I hate it. And I know that's what they like to do on Thursday nights. I, I, I hate it, personally. Um, I'm taking Tennessee. I don't really think it's going to be close in this one, Frank. Um, you know, I, J, th- that, that team is in disarray right now. I'm curious to see what happens with Jalen Ramsey. I don't think he plays. Um, Doug Marone just is too proud of a, a piece of shit coach to like, dude, why are they falling in love with Doug Marone? Come on, let's, let's get real here. I don't know. I would like to do away with Thursday night football in general. I, I, I think your, your body's not fully recovered and it takes away from the Thanksgiving games. Like that was special once upon yeah. a time. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, I got the tie. There's no way I picked the Jags again this year unless my boy Minshew, the stash, just starts lighting people up like he has been and that defense can actually do something. But I got the Titans in a relatively easy win as well. Okay. Uh, Cincinnati at Buffalo. I'm taking Buffalo in this one. Uh, I picked Cincinnati last week. They kind of burned me a little bit. Um, this team is just still try- – I still think Zach Taylor is going to be a good coach. Uh, surprisingly so. I, I know we kind of made fun of him when he got <laughs> when he got the job because he was, uh, you know, Sean McVay's job, jock strap holder for most of the year last year. Um, but, dude, once they finally sack up, since now that they've moved on from Marvin Lewis, maybe they'll finally move on from Andy Dalton and get a legitimate quarterback because it is beyond time to, to move on from Andy Dalton. I agree. I but that being said, though, he's looked solid in the first two weeks. He but imagine I, I, what he, imagine what he, you know a real quarterback would look like. Oh know? no, no, I'm in full agreement there. No, I I but what, I guess I was adding to your point that I mean, uh, their head coach has him looking good. Like he he's scheming for yeah. him. He's doing things that Nagy should be doing for Mitch. Um, with all that said, I had the Bengals over the Bills. I think the Bills come back down there just a tad bit this oh. game. Um. Because just like you said, Josh Allen still is pretty inconsistent. And while this Bengals defense hasn't been great, um, I want to say this is going to be the best team that Buffalo has played, right? Um, I mean, the Giants aren't great. You're probably right about that. Uh, week one, I'm checking that right now. And then they had... Um, the Jets. The Jets, yeah. I and mean, a slow starting game that they came back. I mean, I, I think Cincy, granted, and Cincy's 0-2 as well, right? Yeah, they're they're own two. They lost to Seattle and two. But uh, the eye test has shown me that they're better than both of those teams. So okay. I'm I'm going close win. I think a surprisingly high scoring win Ooh, uh, for the Bengals. Yeah. Okay. Uh, then we have another noon game: Detroit at Philadelphia. You have uh the the rematch between Detroit and Jim Schwartz. Uh, I'm going with the Eagles in this one. I think uh, Carson Wentz is gonna kind of kind of show them what's what and blow them out a little bit here, Frankie. Yeah, I think the Eagles and Lions um, is going to be it's going to be close for a few quarters. I think the Eagles pull away and beat them by 10, 12 points. Um, but I, I think the Lions are built for high octane games like the, I love their weapons. Stafford is just a gunslinger, so he may just throw four picks and completely lose you the game. But if he's hot 
and Kenny Galladay and Starvin Marvin and Carrion Johnson are, are doing their thing and TJ Hawkinson. Like, they have weapons to be in these shootout games and be entertaining. Carrion Johnson looked pretty good against the Chargers. So. He did. No, he did. But I do have the Eagles in this game. Okay. Uh, then we have another divisional game, uh, Jets at New England. Um, Patriots all the way, Frank. Come on. Yeah, come on. Okay. Uh, Oakland at Minnesota. Um, this Oakland's not a good team, so I'm going to go with Minnesota at home because, come on, Kirk Cousins doesn't even need to play in this one. Dalvin Cook's just going to run all over this Raiders defense. Yeah, uh, yeah. He might get 200 yards from scrimmage that game. I'm going Vikings as well. Okay. Uh, Baltimore at Kansas City. This one was fun. This one's going to be a really fun game to watch. Um, I, part of me wanted to take Baltimore, but it's at it's at Arrowhead. Uh, I'm going KC to win this one, Frankie. That was my deciding factor as well. But you know what? You know what you were talking about? Uh, Lamar Jackson playing against uh, the Chiefs defense. Um, you know, it, Pat Mahomes, this is going to be the best defense he plays so far yep. this season. So, I mean, maybe maybe Baltimore schemes some things up to, to kind of confuse him a little bit. So uh, this is going to be a really, a really fun game to watch. Um, okay, so we're both taking KC for that one. Yep. Uh, Atlanta at Indy, Lucas Oil. Indianapolis Colts all the way. Jacoby Brissett, I'm falling more and more in love with them every day, Frankie. I have the Colts as well. The the Falcons have just looked off so far this year. I think going into Indy, um, I think Indy has the, has the uh, the advantage there. And just like we both said, Jacoby Brissett is a better quarterback than people think. I don't know why they thought they were going from you know Andrew Luck to Curtis Painter. Like this guy can play, and he's showing you he can play. And just like we said. Before the season, like if there was any a time to lose an elite quarterback, it was this year because now you guys actually have fucking weapons in an offensive line. So it's like an average guy can come in here and make some noise. Which yeah, is why the they could have been a Super Bowl contender with the elite guy. Exactly. I know. I know. <sighs> you mentioned Curtis Painter, and I just want to throw up every time. I, I that that is one of the that is some of the darkest football days I, I think I'll ever remember. Oh God. <sighs> Moving on, right, Frankie? As Denver right, right, at Green Bay. Um. I'm taking Green Bay at home. If it's at Denver, I might be tempted to take the Broncos, honestly. Um, you know, I, I just think the Packers are, are kind of rolling right now. I, I hate to see them start 3-0, and uh, but I just can't see a situation where Denver goes in and, and actually puts them through the ringer unless this offensive line just can't handle Bradley Chubb and Von Miller because that's a very real possibility, too. If the Broncos are to win this game, it's going to be defense and, and a run game as well. Yeah, I have uh, the Packers for pretty similar reasons. I think with just their style of play, that aggressive defense, that aggressive secondary, you can't do that in Denver. I think if they're playing in Denver, I think they tail off and and, and probably lose that game. But being in Green Bay, they're going to be able to do everything that, that they want on defense. Um, and I expect them to win late teens type of game, 19-14-ish. It'll be close-ish, but I think it's going to be one of those games that the Packers are in control. It's just the score is closer than, you know, than it seems. <clears throat> okay. Uh, then we got New York Giants at Tampa Bay. Frankie, first upset I'm picking this week. I'm I'm taking the Giants to win this one. They got Daniel Jones. The Giants are going to be jazzed up to play with a legitimate NFL quarterback at this point. Saquon Barkley is going to go off. And Tampa Bay just sucks ass. Let's go, Giants. <laughs> I have the Bucks. I have the buy. I just don't have enough buy-in from the Giants' skill positions. As big of an upgrade as Daniel Jones is over Eli, they still really only have Saquon Barkley. Like Evan you know, Ingram can play. Shepard. 
I don't believe in Sterling. Is he is he gonna play? I, I feel like all their skill positions are just dropping like flies. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just want to take the Giants because I had to have an ups. I, I so far yeah. I had pretty much every home team winning the, except for the Titans. And and you know a couple of these there's gonna be some upsets here and there. Um, you know, I, I, I really do believe in the Jets in this one. Um over the Patriots. Uh I'm kidding. I really don't. They're gonna just destroy them. Uh Carolina at Arizona. Frank. Another upset. I'm going with the Arizona card. I'm not even sure it's an upset, to be I honest. I was just going to say, I, I don't think it's an upset. I just really liked what I saw from Kyler Murray uh, against Baltimore's defense. He just looked comfortable doing what he's doing. And you know what's interesting? I, I know a lot of people talked about him uh, as more of a mobile guy. You can kind of tell he doesn't want to run. He wants to be a pocket passer, and I think he's got the arm strength to do it. Um, I'm just curious to see how big of a loss David Johnson is if he's not able to play because – that 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 they they were rolling with against Baltimore until he went out and then that kind of that kind of screwed some things up. Yeah, I have the Cardinals as well. Um, they're, it's looking like Cam won't play. I was gonna pick them even if Cam did play because at this point he's a detriment to the team rather than an asset. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I I like I think this Cardinals team is trending upward. I don't think they're gonna make a playoff push, but. It's not going to be a team you want to play at the end of the year while your team is making a playoff push because they're gonna play spoiler to somebody. For sure. Um, then we got Pittsburgh at San Francisco. Uh, I, I will be taking San Francisco for the first time this year. Um, Jimmy G looked good last week. It's at home. So, you know, and, and they're playing Pittsburgh without Ben Roethlisberger. So we'll see. I, I, I like San Francisco. I will say the addition of Minka Fitzpatrick makes their defense a little more interesting. Um, so I'm curious to see what they do there. But, yeah, I, I think San Francisco in this one. I'm going. Uh, I'm going Pittsburgh. I think um, in Kevin Nash style, Ben Roethlisberger will be wheelchaired out there, and then they just take off the blanket, and he's in full fucking pads, and he's raring to go. No, I'm kidding. Um, I'm just still not bought in with the Niners. They're just so up and down for me. Um, I do think this. Like I said, I think Mason Rudolph is a better quarterback than people, you know, know just because he hasn't played very much. Um, but I think they're really, if James Conner plays, if not, they have other running backs that they'll do a running back by committee, but I think they're going to rely heavily on that run. Um, and I mean, they still have weapons on the outside. They have James Washington, they have Juju Smith-Schuster. We haven't looked great so far, but it's early. I think they start turning the ship around and get a win against the Niners. Maybe now that Ben's out, uh, um, James Washington will actually get the ball considering Mason Rudolph and him were college teammates at Oklahoma state, you know what I mean? And they look good together in the preseason the last they two did. years. Yeah, they did. So we'll, we'll see that. That's an interesting matchup. I, I'm still going with the San Francisco 49ers. Um, then we got new Orleans at Seattle uh, with breeze. I think this is a much more interesting game um, without him. No shot. Um, I just, I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is, is, fully comfortable in that offense yet. I don't think Taysom Hill is a very good quarterback either. Um, I'm going with Seattle in this one. Same. I, I have nothing more to say outside, of, outside Frank, of what you said. It's just so unbelievable that that Seattle has not figured out this offensive line issue. For as long as Pete Carroll has been there, their offensive line has always been bad. And, I mean, they were lucky to get that win in Pittsburgh because, I mean, um, you know, T.J. Watt was absolutely destroying that Stefan Tuitt was just blowing that offensive line up. If Seattle really does want to be a Super Bowl contender, they really got to get that short up pretty quick. And that's with Dwayne, with uh, Dwayne Brown that they traded for from the Texans. Um, yep. We should have told you a lot that the Houston Texans were giving them up, considering they have all of their offensive line issues as well. Um, speaking of Houston, 
Uh, they're going to be at the Chargers. Um, Frank, I am taking the Chargers at home, even though it's probably still not a much of an advantage for them, uh, considering they have no fans. Um, I, I, I just don't know what to do with the Chargers. I'm just going to take the home team in this one. Yeah, I'm going Texans. I, I don't know what the stats look like, but I'm confident if you pick uh, or you kind of pick through the stats and saw, um, you know, what the Texans did after games in which their offense struggled like they did this past week against Jacksonville. I just feel like just from what I've seen in the eye test that they've looked much better the week after that. I think Deshaun Watson, I think uh, DeAndre Hopkins are going to have big games. Is Will Fuller alive? Is Kiki Cutie alive? I don't know what they're doing. If they're alive, they can have a solid game as well. Um, but I'm going Texans over Chargers. Okay. Uh, Sunday night football is Rams at Cleveland. Uh, I know we haven't talked about that. I know we just talked about the Rams not looking all that impressive. Um, but neither is Cleveland. So I'm going to go with the Rams in this one. I, I still need Cleveland to, to show me something before I start picking them to win some of these games. Um, I'm going to go with the Rams until proven otherwise. I'm going with the Brownies. I'm going with the Brownies. I think um, you're. St- I think we're starting. We're beginning to see the chemistry with uh, Baker and the rest of his weapons. Nick Chubb looks like a fucking stud out there. I, I love watching that guy run. Uh, and their defense looks solid. Um, the Rams... Is Aaron Donald going to play? We don't know. Uh, Golf hasn't looked all that great. I mean, they, they, granted, like you said, um, the Browns haven't looked great either. I think around, I think the second half is when uh, the Browns, you're going to see like full octane Browns. And that may not sustain into week four or week five, but there's going to be sprinkles of greatness in the early season. And I think you see that in the second half with uh, a comeback win for Baker and the boys. Okay. Uh, and then, of course, Monday night, uh, Chicago at Washington. Uh, I'm taking the Bears in this one. I think this is going to be Mitch's breakout game, uh, the offense's breakout game in general. I th- if it doesn't happen this week, Frank, um, I count me concerned. Let's just say that. Yeah, I mean, this this game is last year's game against the Bucks. This is the one that it's like, hey, the secondary is soft. They are not a good team. If we don't look good offensively against these guys, then I don't know what the fuck to tell you. And and that's really where I'm at here. I'm in the same boat as you. I'm picking the Bears because even if they don't look good offensively, the defense can probably just win us this game. But this is this we have to see something here. Like something's got to give. We got to get vertical. We got to let Mitch take chances. Mitch has to hit on a, a solid amount of those chances to to start earning that trust from Nagy. But this can't be uh th- yeah this can't be a close game. It just and can't. Frankly, you can't have a close game against Washington. We usually like to save our Bears picks for last, and it just kind of happened to work out that they are last this week. Yeah. Um. The they they need this is again we called last week the Denver game a must win game. I think this one is also a must win because you can't go back home playing Minnesota one and two. Like it's just you can't lose this game to Washington. And if they yep. do, I think there's going to be some real real trouble going on um in in Chicago, especially if they lose by scoring like 10 points, you know what I mean? Like they have to put up points in this game. They just, they have to do it. I agree. But uh, other than that, that is going to do it for this week's edition of the Corked Up podcast here on Two Cents Pods. He is Frank Naris. I am Jack Savio. Thank you guys for listening. We do appreciate it very much. Um, please let us know your picks for week three. Um, you know, call us dumb any way that you can. We've given you plenty of ammunition to use. Um, Frank, this has been a great one, man. I'm, I'm excited. Let's go. Let's go Bears. I was going to do the Ditka thing, but go Bears. But I didn't want to do it. But I guess I kind of just did it. You there. just did it. Frankie, fuck the Falcons. I'm out. <laughs> Later, guys.